In the name of Jesus, amen. This past week on Halloween, or as some of us like to think of it, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, I went trick-or-treating with my kids, and we had a great time just walking around our block in our neighborhood. My daughter in particular had a very good time going from house to house and seeing what kind of candy she was going to be getting. My son, who was bundled up in a pumpkin costume in his stroller, just kind of sat there. But I think he had a good time. He's only one. He can't talk really, so we're going to assume he had a great time. But as we went from house to house, seeing the various decorations there, one thing kind of caught my attention. That was the tombstones that some folks used for decorating their houses. Sometimes they had a kind of a humorous or pithy quote on them. Uh, Other times, though, they aimed to be more spooky, scary, going for the theme that they had with skeletons and bats. But, you know, just one tombstone, it's not really all that scary. Now, when you have one tombstone there, it's it's just a marker. It's a reminder. A real tombstone serves as a reminder that someone had died, and oftentimes that they are buried there in that spot. And, you know, even if you get a whole bunch of tombstones together, if you have whole rows of them like you might see at Arlington National Cemetery, that's not really all that scary either. In fact, those tombstones tend to evoke a sense of respect, commemorating what has been given. It's usually only when you find yourself in the scene from a scary movie when for some reason in the middle of the night you're out in the center of a cemetery surrounded by tombstones that they are really scary. But the thing is, it's not the tombstone itself that's all that spooky or haunting. It's the thing that the tombstone represents, the truth that it represents. Death is real, and it comes for us all. In a cemetery, the truth of death is literally all around you. Now, if you're like most people in modern-day America, you probably don't think about that truth all that much. It's only in those exceptional times or unusual circumstances where the cold truth of mortality breaks in through the insulation that we set up against it. Because the culture around us is encouraging you to eat, drink, and be merry, to enjoy today and all the things before you. But then there are those times when illness takes the life of a loved one. Senseless violence strikes innocent people as it did in New York City, in Denver, earlier this week. Cemeteries make clear the reality of death. But there's something else there too. Something else that those markers markers remind us of. Generally speaking, those people were loved enough to be remembered. How loved are you? What is the quality, the quantity of love that you experience? How do you measure it? Can you? You might jump straight to thinking about the feeling of love, what it's like to have a bond with 
parents, friends, your spouse, your significant other. Or maybe, maybe you think about how you were feeling a lack of love. Or that you don't feel like you're good enough to be loved. Beyond that feeling of love, though, there's the experience of love in action. The love of other people caring for you, encouraging you, being there for you. And this kind of love, the active kind, might be happening even if you're not feeling it. So how loved are you? Our sense of love has has gotten wrapped around our sense of self. Love of self runs rampant through our society. Has it worked its way into your life? You might hear that you need to love yourself, but what does that really even mean? Because in a culture that encourages people to see themselves as lacking, as not good as someone else, while simultaneously saying that you are ultimately worthy and super deserving, love of self is never going to get us anywhere near to having the job done. You and I need real love, love that's going to make a difference in a world that is full of tombstones. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. What is the quality and the quantity of the love that God has for you? God's love is self-giving. Agape. That's the word that the Apostle John uses here for God's active love. It's the kind of love that pours itself out for the good of and the concern for the other. It's the love that moved God to create all things. It's the love that moved God to promise a Savior after humanity had fallen into sin. It's the love that moved God to give himself for us. The Son coming down into our flesh to take our place, to live the perfect life that would be required, the life that we could not live ourselves. It's the love that moved God the Son to take our place on the cross. What is the quantity of God's love for you? It's beyond measure. God has loved you so much that he has given himself, that he has come to invite you to be a part of the resurrection that he has won. He has gathered his saints together to enjoy the gifts that he brings into the world. This self-giving love is for you. Do you deserve it? No, none of us do. But God loves you. God loves you regardless of what other people think of you, and he loves you regardless of what you think of yourself. 
Last Sunday afternoon, people from all over our area gathered together to celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. We had a special service up in Herndon, Virginia at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. Some of you were there. And I got to tell you, it was pretty glorious. We had the word of God's self-giving love faithfully proclaimed. We heard that self-giving love proclaimed through the song, through the ringing. We had choirs gathered together. A number of you were there too under the direction of Susan, our music director. Our ringers were there. All of this came together to glorify God, to give thanks for the gift of his self-giving love and grace. And after the service, I was remarking to a fellow pastor and saying, how it's unfortunate that most of the people in our congregations don't get to experience this corporate worship of the body of Christ more often. We're in our local congregations, wherever we might be. It's usually only us church workers who get to gather for circuit things, for district, for synodical meetings, where we get to see the larger body of Christ in worship, even then just in Lutheran circles. But regardless of where we are, regardless of how big our congregation or small our congregation might be, we are a part of a vastly, infinitely larger congregation, the body, the family of Christ. This weekend, as our congregation observes All Saints Day, we get to remember and celebrate the kind of love that God has for you and for me and for all people, gracious self-giving love that brings us together, love that brings us into fellowship as brothers and sisters of our Savior, as children of God. Now, how many times have you heard that? You are a child of God. I think, okay, well, that's nice. But let me tell you something, folks. This is not a metaphor. God, by His grace, has evoked a new identity in you with that gift of faith. You are a child of God. You get to gather together with all those saints we heard of in our text from Revelation chapter 7 today, gathering around the throne, giving thanks to God for his grace and his glory, remembering the victory of the Lamb which was bought by his blood, the victory which is yours. Today, today you get to join with the saints here at the Lord's table. You get to receive in Holy Communion that foretaste of the feast to come. Today, we celebrate with the saints, all the saints, the victory of the Lamb over death. Because of God's self-giving love, the tombstone, it has no power over you. Life eternal in Christ is yours even now as people redeemed by the Lamb. You might live in a world that is broken by death, but it will not break you. You are called to be children of God, your family. Live out your identity as family by God's gracious power.
bring the gifts of care and compassion, of solace, that come from God's self-giving love to those who have lost loved ones in this world that is riddled with tombstones. Point them to the hope that you and I have in the resurrection that Jesus brings for you and for them, the day when all the saints will be brought back together in body and soul, imperishable, free from the curse of sin and all its effects, because we will be like Jesus, the firstborn from the dead. Because in that day, death will be buried forever. As we celebrate the feast and festival of all saints, come and know both the quantity and the quality of God's gracious, self-giving love that is here for you. You are a child of our Father in heaven. You are a member of Christ's family. You are people of the resurrection. How loved are you? Amen.